Hello students and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today I'm joined by the video game writer and content creator, Alana Pierce, and today we're talking about the clone or genetic twin of Wolverine, X-23 Innocence Lost. Hello, Alana. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm pretty sure I guessed at a way to describe you and just went with video game writer and content creator. How do you introduce who you are to people well i guess i'm I alana pierce say, and i do this hey i'm alana and i'm a video game writer at sony santa monica studio is what i normally say but like technically if i ever get formally introduced i'm not supposed to say i'm associated with the company i work for without their like approval Interesting. so yeah so i actually do usually say video game writer and content creator alana pierce well it also keeps you like yeah, obviously. Yeah, obviously, I nailed it. I was, and yeah. I, I was, I was checking to make sure what? that you knew what to do. Yeah, um, who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Every time uh, I struggle with my identity, I go, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I, I know, <laughs> I know more than you do at this point. Let's yeah, just be sure. honest. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want. I don't actually know the answer to this, this question, so I'd love to hear from you. What is your past experience with both? the X-Men franchise in general and comic book reading. Cause I know you have a history with both, but I'm not quite sure what it is. So when I was, I, I've been a gamer my whole life, right? And, and game adjacent comic books are right there. So when I was in high school, or at least when I had my first job in Australia, you can work from 13 to nine months. Um, I worked at McDonald's and then worked at DB games, whatever. <laughs> and wait, I started wait, wait. spending I'm sorry, my I have money. to stop there. I had to process what you said. Yeah. You can start working at 13 years old in nine months. Correct. Yes. That's when I started work. Yeah. 13 what? and nine months. Why the, Why such an arbitrary time? I don't know why they factor in the nine months that you're in the womb. <laughs> is it, yeah, is it the womb? Is that what I, it is? I can only assume so. Like, I really have no idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> Aussies don't need to, like, make new reasons why we think they're an odd bunch. But that's, like, well, that's new to me. But related to the age thing, this is not related to the answer to this question. But let me just go off for a second. <laughs> I find it so weird that your school year starts in like June. Sure. Ours is just the actual year. Cause there's all this complicated stuff where people in Northern hemisphere are like, well, no, I want them to be born in this month so they can go to school with this year. Oh, so they're not yeah. older or younger. And you're like, why are you doing just start school in February? Well, and finish in November. <laughs> it's, it's probably because your seasons because are because of the summer. Yeah. But, but I, I agree. It like is weird that like, more sense. yeah, I'm, I'm a September baby. So I turned my age when school started, but I, I have two kids and they're in odd times where they're, they're the same. So I understand. I understand. Anyways, you yeah, went to so, McDonald's. So I was working at McDonald's. I basically like started going, using that money to go to conventions to like meet more nerds or whatever. And that's where I started buying comic books was nice. that I was going to supernova or comic con in australia and started buying comics and that was like my introduction was like oh i'm going because i want to meet other nerds and there's video game stuff cool wait let me check these out i like the art and so i started <laughs> reading comics and um from there i ended up it ended up being something that i went and did every second week uh went to my local comic book store no, no. not that local the one in uh, basically downtown brisbane which we call the city for whatever reason if you go that was the name of the comic australia, store no Downtown in Australia is called The City. Oh. So you're going to the city means you're going downtown. Um, I wish I could remember the name of it. I'm sure I could look it up. But uh, yeah, so I read a lot of comics throughout high school. And then I kind of stopped when I moved to the US 
mostly because the collection was so big. I really had to part with a lot of stuff moving countries. Mm. And there's something heartbreaking about leaving your stack of comics behind. Mm -hmm. So I still read Batman, but I stopped reading all of the others to cut all of the stuff out. Gotcha. Yeah. I kept up with Saga is the only other one that I kept reading. Oh, good choice. Yes. So I had read a bunch of X-Men more so was just reading Marvel comics in general. Like I read the whole of Civil War, like literally every issue and every different character's perspective. And that means there are a lot of X-Men involved, yeah. but they weren't necessarily explicitly X-Men comics. But no. then I do love a lot of the X-Men like animated movies. I think those are awesome. Um, but I wouldn't say that I'm like up to date and in the know. So when you prompted me to do this, I was like, you know, there's a character that I always liked every time that I saw them that I never read their origin story, which was X-23. Yeah, yeah, that was a really fun uh, grab when I, 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 to let the audience know, I ask every one of my guests if they have any preferences on characters or eras or storylines, if they're that privy, and I try to make the content for the episode bespoke to their interests, and I love that you picked out X-23. I have loved X-23 since her debut. Um, basically, I, I read, my first introduction to X-23 was this six-issue mini mm. uh, arc um i did not know uh at first that she was originally an x-men evolution character originally yeah um, and that she was like a harley quinn where she was um a, a canonical traveler that went from the cartoon first to the comics yeah and I, I i did know that john see what what kind of x-men fan are you <laughs> i'm 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 clearly someone who's still learning it's great <laughs> yeah. i learned that it part of this show is one is like me getting to talk with x about x-men with my friends which i never got to do when i was young because i didn't have any x-men friends mm-hmm. and then it's also basically just giving me incentive to do just a ton of research on one of my favorite subjects which is the x-men and so i i definitely don't go into these books knowing everything about them but i spend a lot of time looking into their origins and the background and trying to find little tidbits about it. And that was a fun little thing for me. She was X-Men Evolution Season 3 was her debut, Mm -hmm. created by Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost. And I think how I also got very into X-23 was um, she's in some video games too. She is. She is. I mean, she she was a fan favorite, like, straight from the get-go. And, you know, as soon as she premiered in logan people loved her oh, and, yeah. yeah and i mean they even i was reminded recently that they even had um after logan's success like uh craig kyle the creator was actually in talks with like uh, mangold the director of logan for a x-23 spinoff but i guess it got like Whoa. tabled because that was right before the disney buyout happened mm. um and that can like put a whole halt on projects and i i'm sure you know more than most that if like you know projects get paused it's really hard to get them going again definitely um, especially but, in that industry so can yeah. i ask you Joe, before we go any further and only if you haven't answered this on a previous episode um, how did you get into reading X-Men comics? I don't know if I've explicitly gone into my origin, but I've probably said it a few times in different ways. But basically, my story is that when I was seven, a friend of mine came to school and brought a little toy. It was a Nightcrawler toy. Mm. Um, I remember distinctly because it had its tail pulled off <laughs> because his mom did it because Nightcrawler looked too demonic. And this was like <laughs> during um, like Satanic Panic a lot. You know, mm. this is like, you gotta think when I'm, when I was in second grade, this is like the nineties. Um, and so he was like, he had his tail pulled off just got, cause I guess that made it better. I don't know. Wow. Uh, yeah. The devil known for his tail. Yeah. That's where his power is. <laughs> uh, and is evil. Yes. Uh, so I immediately was like, I love this little dude. What is this? And then found out about it and immediately got into comics. Um, but cool. Uh, 
my first comic was not an X-Men comic. You'll like what my first comic was. It was a mm-hmm. Batman comic. Hell yeah. Um, I, you know, I think my very first was actually probably Archie because my mom has this huge Archie collection from when she was a kid. <sighs> so I'm sure I read those. Oh, then, um, then if that's the case, then mine is like Farsight because my parents yeah. had like a Farsight collection. <laughs> it's got to be something weird like that. And I think the thing that I love about X-Men that I think even makes X-Men stand out from every other, you know, various giant comic mega franchise is that it really is about a bunch of weirdos finding each other. Yeah. And it's just very relatable to a lot of us, I think. Yeah, I've said this before. It was originally uh, basically a metaphor for the for um, uh, Jewish people is what it was. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, it, it like it wasn't ever explicitly said that but it was like it was written by a bunch of jewish men and it was about living as a as a as a minority group that was persecuted and the timing kind of tracks out it's like well it's why they they insert a lot of jewish uh characters into the comic and mm. you know it's part of why they I, I believe it's part of why they retconned magneto's origin to being a holocaust survivor um no way. and but obviously as I think X-23 is a great example for this uh, truth about uh, comics and these characters in the first place is that they develop and grow as more and more creators get their hands on them and new writers and artists and everything. And it, you know, broadened into just a general metaphor for the minority experience, the the yeah. weird, you know, the outsider experience. Finding... The outsider experience for sure, yeah. Like it's yeah. just anyone who feels like they haven't fit in um, they made it as accessible to, to as many people as possible by doing that. Like, if you feel like you don't fit in, you fit in with the X-Men. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. It's a found family story. Yeah. Uh, and I love that about it. Um, and X-23 is a great example of that. She was, She's definitely someone who uh, had to find her family and, and was an outsider and had, you know, weirdness about her. Um, she was, uh, like we said, she was originally in a x-men evolution character but then was brought to the comics in a series called nyx um which was this short run kind of series that was trying to look at like a like a little little vignette of a district in new york that was called district x um kind of like how there's a uh, different uh you know sections of big cities like new york that are just uh heavily populated by certain people like you know little mm-hmm. um china and little italy and that kind of thing chinatown not little china chinatown and little <laughs> italy little china big trouble and little italy yeah that's what it was oh my god the movie got in my head <laughs> yeah um and she was in there for a little bit and while uh her storyline in nyx wasn't very good and in fact uh craig kyle wasn't a fan of it they kind of um she was living as a sex worker but being abused by um like a pimp and that kind of thing um it wasn't done let's say tastefully um but uh she then was so popular though because she's such an enigmatic character that's how she got this miniseries that we read uh innocence lost because they wanted mm-hmm. to flesh out her origin story which was great and that's yeah. and craig kyle got to work on that and so he got to flesh it out um and yeah, uh, I love I love this. I was so, so excited to reread this because it's fun to go back to these old stories and see like what makes sense still, what has been retconned, you know, what yeah. uh, was stuff that I forgot. And I'm very excited to talk to you about this story. I, I mean, you could just start off by sharing like, how did you feel generally about this story, the writing, the way they took X-23? This is your first venture into reading her origin, you know, mm-hmm. from start to finish. 
It's definitely consistent with some things that I already knew and that I feel like she's a very tragic character who is forced to be very hardened and, and they really lean into that um, in this miniseries. Uh, but I think that it's a, it's a writing challenge that I think it's always hard to create a human weapon and then make them relatable. And so they really do that via her quote unquote mother. That yeah. is very much how they try to make you get an emotional connection. And a lot of the story, uh, at least for the first, I think three issues is not even really about X-23. It's about everyone around X-23, how they're using her and how they're treating her and then what that makes her obviously. So I think they did a really um, smart job of having Again, her mother, Dr. Sarah Kinney, who's um, a mutant geneticist, uh, I think was the job title. Mm. They have it be about her basically dealing with sexism, like straight away as a thing that is like very prevalent in this. It was like, oh, damn, this is goes hard for 2005. <laughs> like, yeah, they didn't even want X-23 to be a woman. I no. had no idea there was any context of that. They were like, really going to make her a girl? It's a weapon we're making, not a Barbie doll, I think is the exact <laughs> quote. And I was like, jeez, Okay. <laughs> Um, so it, it definitely like very, very much approaches that from an angle of like, well, X-23 will probably have to deal with this for the rest of her life. So let's just get it out of the way. And again, they make you empathize with her mother in, in a lot of that to reflect what her experience would be anyway. Which I think yeah. Is it's already a huge endeavor when they try to do these kinds of stories where they're adding to these, these very, you know, established pieces of lore where they're like, hey, we want to make... I mean, they basically said that they like the creators were like we want to make a Wolverine for the younger generation, and that mm. sounds like a smart marketing play, but is hard as heck if you think about it, considering how much Wolverine has always been beloved, you know, more so than almost every other character in the X Men franchise. I just mean generally speaking to the public, um, it's why he was one of the first ones to get his own. Uh, like solo title in a comic book it's the reason why he's the one who's got like a bunch of solo movies yeah um obviously a lot of that is hugh jackman carrying a lot of the charisma through it um he's coming back i i'm so excited i know and and i just read today maybe that there's like i don't know if it's rumors or or confirmed at this point but she is supposed to come back as well x23 should be in that deadpool movie which i'm like she should be very Um, exciting yeah, that that that's what's um what they did in the comics as they developed X twenty three through the years because she's been you know in and out of X Men since this you know debut um, is she was I don't know a, a, you know kind of groomed to be a replacement to Wolverine um, and to be the new Wolverine and so I'd love if they did that as well in the films because it makes sense I mean Hugh Jackman embodies Wolverine at this point to, to you know the public at large in yep. media. Um, however, Hugh's getting old. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, would love to, I, I, Logan was a great goodbye, Such but a it's so good. Uh, but I would love to see, you know, a real handoff, uh, of the mantle to her as Disney, you know, works on this development of bringing the X-Men into MCU, which yeah. I don't think is, a, it is, it is a tough one though. Like the, the way that Wolverine is written uh, is not that dissimilar to Kratos, really, which for a male character works really well because it's like broody and angry about being mistreated and violent mm-hmm. and aggressive. And that doesn't necessarily translate to female characters as well in terms of audience perception. 
Mm-hmm. And X-23 is very cold, at least mm-hmm. from everything that I remember reading um, outside of this arc. She's very cold. And I think that that can be difficult for a, a female lead, or at least difficult for a lot of writers to tackle because they don't know what to do with it. And I think that like there are a lot of writers who have trouble doing that with a female character where it's not as much like power fantasy, and then they end up making them like too cold-hearted or too... Uh, they, they need to find a way to baby them. Like it can definitely be a challenge that one-to-one swap is not, is not that easy. And I think people make mistakes where that's concerned yeah. pretty often. I'd love to see it. You just need to be done right and need to have a lot of care and thought put into it. Cause again, that, that Kratos Wolverine character type doesn't necessarily translate directly to female characters in a way that a lot of people find relatable or even likable. Like it's, it's definitely tough. It yeah, and even in the comic, it's taken a long time to develop yeah. her. Because in even in this this series, like by the end, she's you know she's mostly mute during this entire six issue yeah. run. Um, she's very stunted in like emotional development, um, and uh, you know is not really doesn't connect with other humans very well, other people really well. Um, but how they've how they've developed her through the comics beyond this six issue they've they've added to her and given her emotional uh complexity and uh, made connections with other people so that she's and even fostered like kind of almost a family with herself she she sees wolverine as her father um Mm -hmm. in the comics later on because they do find a connection and wolverine definitely takes on that dad role but then she herself actually um if you people want to keep reading X-23 stuff. She gets her own clone later on. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, they, you know, like, well, makes sense. In this, in even in this one, you know, after she gets trained and she becomes like a valid piece of, you know, profitable equipment, they're like, all right, now we're going on to X-24 through X-50. They're going to keep cloning and making more X-23s. That's right, yeah. And so later on when Laura is much older in the comics, they, they kind of, <laughs> the comics are weird aging can be weird and so (laughs) she kind of uh ages to about like 19 or 20 um pretty quickly so that they could put her in position like alongside some other 19 and 20 year old x-men characters Mm -hmm. um but once she gets to that point there's a story where she finds like uh, a, a like a little group of clones of her that are kind of different stages of like development or different kind of stages of like different versions of her and not all of them survive and and keep going on but there's one that's a small like again it's i love this because they made her little clone like a little girl so she had a little sister almost um and her name yeah, is gabby I guess they say for wolverine she's not a clone she's a twin she's a genetic twin a twin whereas if it's a girl then i guess it would also be a clone yeah it's it's complicated i tried to oh, look yeah. in, well <laughs> e- even beyond this little mini series there was a little mini series later on called uh, hunt for wolverine something adamantium can't remember what it was um but long story short tony stark finds some information on mr sinister's computer that about the genetic dna of like laura and he points out that um they, they decided to retcon that she is not even a genetic twin she's technically his daughter in that she has both the genetic properties of Wolverine and Sarah Kinney. And so she is by all purposes, his daughter, his, his like, you know, genetic daughter. Um, Mm. so they retcon that because they wanted to make her like actually his daughter, daughter, um, which like that or hate it. It's just what they decided to do. But Gabby is, and has still been, uh, a, 
a clone. Her um her code name I love it is um Honey Badger, and she she is this fun little clone of uh, of Laura, and they've kind of with Wolverine's son uh, Daken. I don't know if everybody's familiar with him yet or Dokken. People pronounce it differently. He's actually his son, but they basically did kind of like we did with Batman, where they've like fostered a family around Batman. He's got a bunch of Robins. Yeah. He he's got um you know a bunch a, a whole you know army family that he uses that's kind of what they've done with wolverine he's got a son uh Dokken. he's got a daughter laura mm-hmm. laura's got a little sister gabby and so it's kind of sweet in the modern comics right now wolverine's like full-on dad mode has a whole family it's great i love that for him and for her i love that for all of them especially because this origin is very dark it's very dark but i uh, upon rereading it i'm like okay i still love this it it's i feel it's redemptive i i think you called it out great where it was like it's Sarah is the one that brings a lot of the humanity to the comic. And while they're a little heavy handed with some of the stuff, I, you know, I, I agree. I do like, you know, the commentary they had where, you know, once she, once Sarah gets to the point where she is told, no, you can't make the clone female. We want a man. Um, She decides she's going to do it on her own. Then it's Mm -hmm. just literally a woman doing, you know, double the work just to yeah. have the same acknowledgement of a loser dude like Xander Rice, who is, just, so who is just one of the worst characters he ever. He just really sucks. Almost in a way that, um, again, I think this is maybe a little bit more 2005 comics. It's like, well, this is just one of those stereotypical villains for sure. Yeah, I mean, he he gives bad vibes immediately. He's, you know, he's the son of, uh, you know, a spy basically who worked at Weapon X mm-hmm. that upon... Wolverine's escape kills him, but then still manages to, I guess, uh, secure some of his genetic, you know, bits. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I understand why he wants the revenge, but yeah, that, that part of this, I was like, eh, a little bit generic, you know, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. the strongest he, part of the comic. It's just Rice I, is very mad because his dad died. Like, you know what? It's quick. I understand immediately, but he's so comically evil that I was like, eh, they actually, they made another, I think another six issue miniseries that, went even more in depth into Laura's origin story, gave some more, you know, information on what was going on and even gave more information on her time here at the, the quote, the facility. And they added a character um, that doesn't show up in this six issue arc. That is this female, let's call her a handler of uh, Laura. Mm -hmm. And she's definitely a big meanie. And, um, and I think, is an even better kind of nemesis to uh, Laura. And she actually survives beyond the facility and shows up to give uh, Laura some problems later on. I can't remember her name exactly, but they they went beyond even just Xander Rice and gave her another another bad guy. I mean, I guess you have, um, to, have, have, you have to have, you know, the opposite force. But there is like Rice, instead of just killing her, tortures her more than once. Yeah, he's oh man, the like it it I think it hits harder for me now with like being older now, having kids myself. Like that scene where after they've you know uh, successfully made you know brought her to term and and grown her, and they're trying to like you know get her to the stage of being a you know viable weapon. Mm-hmm. They're like rushing her puberty, you know, yeah. which just sounds so terrible. Yep. Um, because this is like you know they're still following with the lore of like most mutants they get their mutant powers when they 
go through puberty and they're yeah. like, we need her to have her healing factor because we need her to have that. Yeah. Um, which is yeah, a, so- a fun element about her because since she only has adamantium claws and her skeleton isn't laced mm-hmm. with adamantium, that's why her, her healing factor is actually even more powerful than Wolverine's. That made it more powerful? Yeah, so Wolverine is at all times, he's, you know, covered in adamant. He's covered yeah. in metal. It's yeah. poisoning him at all times. That's why right. they, they, they that's why they went into that with the movie, Logan. Yeah. Um, and so his healing factor is at all times working a little overtime, mm. just keeping him alive. Mm. Whereas she just has the claws, and so her healing factor is even crazier, which speaks to how dumb Xander is and that the point where he gets to where he takes her on that mission and tries to betray her, it's like, dude, you she's she's like you know unkillable you know this you did this this. on purpose you're an idiot (laughs) again there's that that the point where he takes her claws out gives her the adamantium and then puts the claws back into her hands and in her feet um which is definitely like iconic imagery from x23 i first remember seeing with with the claws through her boots and i was like oh cool (laughs) um because it it just looks so neat and but like he, he doesn't put her on any anesthetic, which seems to just be evil. Everyone else yeah. is in the room when he's just about to do the operation and he's like, get out. They're like, I don't know, bro. You seem a bit emotionally charged. This <laughs> something weird. Um, but he's like, no, I have to do this alone. You could have killed her then. <laughs> yeah. I it's he's, he's a confusing character. I think even Martin's a little confusing where I guess he just must be a total idiot. If he never picks up on like, yeah, Xander's a sociopath, dude. You, yeah. This kid, he's a total sociopath. He <laughs> no, this ain't, dude's crazy. Yeah, uh, I I agree that like the the boot claw is very iconic. I remember as I reread this first issue and they get to the end where Sarah has gone, which by the way, also total villain moment of like forcing Sarah to get pregnant with this kid in order mm-hmm. for it to be an act, you know, actually happen. Like mm-hmm. Sarah's that invest in this project and he's like forcing her to basically have a baby. Like he's yikes, such a dude. D- man. He's such a d- <laughs> it's um, he is, but the the image at the, I think at the very end of the issue one where he picks up the little baby hand, she's got the two little claws. I think yeah. I'm I had like uh like chills go over me when I was younger and read this. I was like, yeah, oh, that's so cool. It is very cool, yeah. And the it's tiny. a little baby Wolverine. Yeah. Previously on X Men. Hey, students, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Class of X. I'm glad you're here. I hope you're enjoying Alana. I had a lot of fun recording with her. I think she's got such an interesting perspective on comics and X-Men and nerd lore and all that kind of stuff. Happy to have her on the show, and I hope you guys are enjoying it. If you are enjoying it, please rate it on whatever platform you're listening to, or if you want to leave a comment on the Patreon, would love that as well. If you want to follow for some more X-Men stuff, you can follow us on socials, Class of X Pod. And if you really want to support the show, become a Patreon member it's great um, we've got people like jordan kempema johnny boy 5919 andrew corliss tyler teruli bluey jess stormblaze hayes justin jones and dave getratis i totally said that right the first time anyways i just wanted to say thank you for supporting the show and listening in and i hope you enjoy the rest of this as we talk about x23 Yeah, it's it, it, there's definitely a lot of stuff that I liked about it. I mean, I love the ending uh, of the Innocence Lost arc, the whole ending of which is basically <laughs> we're just going full spoilers at this point anyway. So Heartbreaking. We're already there. Yeah, so her, her mom is dying and then she tells X-23 that her name is Laura and says that she loves her, even though for both of them the whole time, Sarah was repeatedly told that she wasn't allowed to, or Kinney, wasn't allowed to... Um, 
be a mother. They like they yeah. needed her to be emotionally manipulatable, but they needed her to not see herself as a human. I think the fight is they don't want her to have any independence. Um, yeah. And it was just, it's a very sweet ending to be like, your name's Laura and I love you while she's dying. Yeah, I, oh man, some comics really get to me when, you know, they get, when they go for like the really emotional punch and mm. the reveal at the end of like Xander, when he touched her hair, that's where he laced the trigger scent on yes. Sarah. That that revelation at the very end there and you see like Laura's eyes go red, the, the red that she gets when the trigger scent is there and you're just like, you know it's going to happen. It's those moments where I'm reading, a, when I was, I, I read this physically, you know, as a physical comic when I first read it and, you know, it's those times where you're like, just, you can't turn the page fast enough. You're like, what's about to happen? And, you're, and she kills her and it dies but then like, yeah, tells her her name is Laura. It's, it's so sad. It's very sad. She, she she's, it's, it's better. It's easier now knowing that she finds her family later that she even dons the mantle of Wolverine and, and does a fantastic job of it. There, it's even easier now knowing that like they actually use the trigger scent several times after this to like cause some no-nos to happen. Um, oh, they but, keep using it. I didn't realize. Yeah. That was the thing at the very end of it where, uh, you know, after the facility has been destroyed and, and Laura's walking away, those guys, you know, they find the bottle that says the trigger mm. and they're like, okay, we still have this. So they, it's kind of like um, a little bit like Winter Soldier stuff where they continue to use these these program triggers to manipulate these people. But um, again, similar to Winter Soldier, they, well, actually, I don't know. Did they do this in MCU where they deprogrammed him in the MCU finally so that, that couldn't be used on him? Yeah, he did that in Wakanda. Oh, yeah, yeah, he okay. did that in yeah. Wakanda. They did that also in the comics where they finally deprogrammed so that the trigger could no longer hold control over her. Um, so she's her own, you know, woman at this point has full control over her own facets. When they did um, the big House of X Powers of 10 reboot recently with Jonathan Hickman and they totally rebooted the X-Men team, she was the Wolverine they put on the team. She Aww. She is called Wolverine. Um, it's a little confusing because he's Dude, also Wolverine. That's one of the points where I like stopped reading Marvel comics in general. And it definitely a criticism I have of them more than DC, which just reboots itself all the time. So it stays contained is I felt like there were like at one point, 10 Wolverines and several <laughs> Captain Americas. And I was like, which one that's whose kid. Okay. That's for you're related to, and you got reinstated when, and I just started to get really confused about the amount of characters with the same names from different people who yeah. are replacing each other. And I was like, I don't know what's going on anymore, man. Yeah. I have no defense over how confusing comics can be. If you're not like someone who's just consuming them constantly and yeah. keeping up with them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in a, the, I, I've, I think I've said this before on the show, there was a time where they did a big, build up event where it was the death of Wolverine Logan mm -hmm. um, and it was like it, you know it was the death of him but they always come back but he stayed dead yeah. for a while hey but that's good <laughs> it was a hot minute it's it's a funny way to gauge like how impactful the death of a character how was long in he comics. Dead for. <laughs> yeah well it's even more confusing now that in the current comics they've uh establish the resurrection protocols and can resurrect each other oh. um uh i won't get into it if if you if if you want to know about that just listen to the first episode of class of x where we covered house of x powers of 10 um 
and we'll covered do. all that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you will. But anyways, they, I can just say they resurrect each other. And that's they, it was basically Jonathan Hickman's way of finally looking at like the X-Men always come back. That's not a that's not like a, a big stake anymore. Mm. Someone dying in X-Men comics. Um, you and don't so, think that let, it gets rid of some kind of tension and emotional impact that they can always be resurrected? What's interesting is that I think it served as a way to challenge writers to to go for more interesting ways of causing stakes to matter because, you know, it's always it's always been a thing, you know, thinking all the way back to like, you know, Gwen Stacy dying in Spider-Man and, and stuff like that or, or Robin dying in Batman. It's been a thing they've done for forever, you know, in X-Men have been going on for 60 years and they had you know, deaths, uh, plenty along the way, you know, Thunderbird was a, a death. Um, he got introduced in giant size X-Men number one, and then died two issues later and stayed dead until recently when they did the resurrection protocols. So he's been de- get dead for a long time, but it's been interesting to see how they've written different stakes for them. Like, um, there's actually a really cool story where X-23 who's Wolverine and, um, Darwin, you might remember Darwin from X-Men first class. Yes. The movie. Yeah. He he's a really awesome comic character. Him and then another character called uh Sink or Cinch. I don't know how to pronounce it. It might be Cinch. Anyways, they go on this mission where they go into this um little globe of a lab called the world that has a different time passing rate inside. And so basically they're in there for hundreds of years. And Laura doesn't age because she's mm-hmm. a Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And then Darwin mutant power is to survive and so he's fine and then um cinch he can mimic the powers of mutants in his proximity and so he mimics darwin and and laura they basically are on a long-term recon mission um and it was kind of cool where during that time they obviously like grew and developed as people as you would over like hundreds of years and even cinch and laura grew as a couple Mm. and became a romantic partner well the way that the resurrection protocols work is that uh, Professor X is on a regular basis um, trying to, you know, he backs up all the mutants in Cerebro. You might have seen the images of him wearing that big circle of a, a helmet with an yes. X on it. Yeah. That's Cerebro. Yes. Um, and that's a big hard drive of all the mutants and their minds. Um, so but they're, while they're like AI recreations? Basically, he keeps a backup of their memories and their Mm. personalities as a psychic can, you know, not it's Mm. it's Cerebro is the digital manifestation of his psychic abilities. Um, Anyways, long story short, um, he can't back them up while they're in the in the 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 world. And um, when things go finally super bad at the end and they're trying to get out of the world from, you know, trying to run away from these super mutants that are inside of there. Um, Cinch is the only one who gets out. Um, Darwin gets trapped inside of there and Laura gets killed. So she gets resurrected on Krakoa with memories only backed up from when she went in. But Cinch comes out with hundreds of years of memories and has these memories of a love relationship with Laura that she doesn't have. Wow. And I love so that I kind think of stuff. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting how they do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, to talk about Wolverines themselves, you're talking about a character where death doesn't matter in the first place. These characters, you know, Wolverine doesn't die. Laura, I mean, there have been a bunch of periods where Wolverine tried to kill himself, same as the Hulk, I guess, and couldn't because he, yeah. he just regenerate all the time, which is like definitely 
uh, it's such a fun thing that comics explore is the idea of all of your loved ones dying and you outliving them is it's kind of a nightmare yeah there's actually a fun uh x23 time where she was um the only romantic interest she's had so far like an actual partner is she was dating angel slash archangel for a while mm-hmm. um but what's which is extra sad because actually craig kyle the creator came out and said that he actually originally meant for her to be gay um and while the x-men right now are super gay overall in the comics because they finally have found that we're living in a modern time and um they're basically just so an island like they're full very of- relatable to queer people too yeah i mean the island is of krakoa where they all live is now just a bunch of bisexuals and it's great nice um the dream it is and they've they've actually canonized a lot of like 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 hard canonized queer characters that were originally meant to be queer coded by like their creators like chris claremont like mm-hmm. recently uh betsy braddock who's originally psylocke and um a character called uh rachel gray who is a another phoenix character like mm-hmm. uh, jean gray mm-hmm. they became girlfriends finally and it was Hell the best yeah. it was very good it was like Let's mushing go. two barbies together that you've been doing that for forever <laughs> they finally canonically mushed they the barbies finally together. did it um and so laura I think I what... had probably felt that way you know when i was first seeing x23 i feel like i had first probably thought that laura was gay or bisexual yeah i mean even wolverine is has been uh queer coded as bisexual from the get-go hmm. um it's been there the whole time and once you know it and you and and you look at like how they've drawn him how they've writ- written him and that kind of thing it's like oh this this wolverine does, doesn't just sleep with one gender this man uh he's, he's calling he's everybody all. bub that's yeah. all i know <laughs> everybody gets it anyways Laura, during this whole story, she was dating Angel, and this is when Wolverine gets killed, and so she kind of goes hyper-aggressive at trying to uh, prove herself as Wolverine, but that just ends up, she keeps putting herself in, like, super dangerous positions, so Angel is just constantly watching Laura, like, almost kill herself constantly, which is very, I imagine, very hard (laughs) for even a a mutant partner to just watch her just, like, do all these things, so yeah. she probably can't either, right? What? She can't kill herself, I assume? No. The only thing in the X-Men comics where, other than, so Wolverine died because he was encased in adamantium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he was, like, kind of, like, encased. He was, like, he was like already injured like crazy, and then he was just basically covered in adamantium that was molten and just wrapped around him and killed him. Um, but there actually was, um, this sounds silly. There's a lot of times where I'm explaining things in comics, and it just sounds silly. So let's just say, this is going to sound silly. Wolverine managed to find a special sword that when it uh it like it's it kind of like um it cuts on a magical level let's call it that um okay. and when it cuts any of these mutants like Laura or Wolverine or Sabretooth who have these like crazy healing factors mm-hmm. they don't um heal from it ooh um and so uh there is a, a there's actually a point where Wolverine it turned out to be a clone of Sabretooth, but he like decapitated Sabretooth. Um, and he didn't grow back from it. Um, mm-hmm. So, but other than that, no, like, like, uh, I mean, you could even see in, in this little innocence lost run, like, you know, she goes through hell multiple times throughout this, you know, yeah. even the fact that she went through radiation poisoning to just, uh, you know, start her healing factor. Yeah. Um, which I actually, now I'm thinking they might've stolen that for Deadpool movie true it does, that's not, there is a lot of that origin story of the deadpool movie that is a lot like 
X23. I think that was even a commentary people had at the time or an opinion people had at the time. Who said yeah, it was a lot it, like X23. And it also just might be some of this, like, you know, these, these, you know, living weapon characters. Yeah, well, because wasn't he in that movie, the, you know, the one where he was stupid Deadpool? The, the Weapon X? Oh, yeah. With the laser eyes or whatever it was. I don't remember exactly which one <laughs> I that just, was. like, describing that as stupid Deadpool. Yeah, stupid Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. That, like, so my actual, I should have said this earlier, but my actual favorite ever X-Men comic run, which I love, is Cable and Deadpool. Oh, I'm just rereading that I right now. I have all of them, and I, I brought them here with me. I love them so, so, so much. Cable's probably my favorite X-Man. Um, and I love you that got good taste. series. Well, thank you. I think so, too. You have very good taste. I'm a huge fan of, of Cable as well, um, and I, I even thought Josh Brolin did a very good job of yeah. the film. But, even, but yeah, uh, Cable, uh, uh, listeners, if you want a really good run, read Cable and Deadpool. Pretty so short, good. too. A lot of good humor, and I think that Deadpool sometimes can be obnoxious obviously that's his whole thing but cable really balances him out yeah it's it's a great um like buddy cop kind of a dynamic where cable is this you know almost all-powerful psychic telekinetic who's got his own agenda but then they get kind of um connected joined together in a certain Mm -hmm. way and so he can't get away from deadpool and it yeah it's a really fun dynamic um yeah, and I'm rereading it uh, again. It's sometimes you go back to some of these old comics. Like I recently started rereading Ultimate X Men, and it does mm-hmm. not age very well. It's very edgy for the sake of edginess. Yeah. Um, Cable and Deadpool. I like it still. Very good. I mean, I'm excited to keep this reading. This comic had um, the R word, but not used as a slur. But it still shocked me, even though it was they used the R word in terms of we can slow this thing down. Yes. Um, yes. The literal like. Yeah, actual word that I guess in this context wouldn't be offensive, but I still don't even feel comfortable saying it. And <laughs> no. reading it, I was like, well, they're allowed to, but now I think we just work to avoid having to say that word. Like, I yes. think if that were written now, they would have been like, don't say that, even though it's like technically the correct word. It's just, it's still shocking to read because it's so often used as a slur um, that seeing it, I was like, oh, 2005. Ah! <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, in doing this show, I've gone back and, and uh, read or reread a lot of really old comics. That that comic I just said a while ago, Giant Size X-Men, which is from 1975, mm. was the introduction of, you know, an international cast of X-Men. That's where Storm and Colossus and all of them mm-hmm. were brought in. But with that comes some, let's say, dated way of describing some of these international people. They introduced yeah. Thunderbird, the first uh, Native American indigenous um, X-Men men and there's not there's some not so good terminology in there um i think that I, stuff should should you know we shouldn't get rid of it it should still exist yeah. but i do feel like it's worth giving people a warning when reading it that it can be shocking like i just started reading um this is such an aside but um brave new world um a book that's considered part of the dystopia trilogy that that people recommend after 1984 they're basically mm. the, the two authors knew each other by aldous huxley and the start of it has all this stuff that I really wished people had warned me about. Oh. It's the book, uh, the book, not the book, but the universe encourages um, children to touch each other. Oh, and it no. uses the word erotic play. And oh, they're no. scolded if they don't. And I was like, how did nobody tell me about this before <laughs> I started reading this? It's written a very long time ago. And the point he's making is not that he encourages that as an author, you know? So it's just the world is bad. He's not trying to say it's good. But it was still like, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> and I think the seeing that word in this was the same. But for the most part, I mean, 
I feel like it was, it still felt pretty modern. And, and how we even got here was me talking about stupid Deadpool and my lesson from stupid Deadpool. I think that was the one that made me let go of films needing to be the same as comics. Yeah. Uh, that was the one that made me go, you know what? What if things are just different and I don't need to get mad if they're not the same and not copying the source material isn't some lack of respect to me as a reader. It's just a different exploration. And I think now a lot of the times with these films and even um, the video game adaptation films and TV shows, my stances do something different because if I wanted to play it again, I'd just play it again. And I think I, I think the same way about comics now, but it took the bad Deadpool for me to uh, gain that perspective and perhaps maturity when viewing media. I was like, it doesn't have to cater to me and what I know. It can just be a different thing. And that's okay. Yeah, still suck, I, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I wholly agree because um, it can often be the case where if you do actually do something different, you might stumble upon doing something even better than the source material. It's not always the case, but yeah. sometimes, like what we're talking about, there's dated stuff in comics. There's dated stuff in the source material. And so you don't have to bring that into the the adaptation. I think a great example was the Invincible cartoon mm. um on amazon mm -hmm. uh, great comic um and uh by uh kirkman i believe was the author um mm -hmm. walking dead author um but in the comic the mom is not a really good strong female character and the comic in general doesn't really isn't really full of a bunch of strong female characters and but they decided that in the you know animation adaptation they made her a much more made, made her her own person not just some in the comics she kind of like once the the daddy invincible guy becomes bad mm -hmm. she kind of loses herself in alcoholism and mm. just uh becomes just this sad at home crying all the time character whereas in the cartoon she's like active in dealing with this situation that has mm. now arisen um it's funny kickoffs is sort of the opposite i found that really surprising when i finished reading that comic and then the movie came out oh sorry the yeah it was a movie um it's gonna say tv show the end of kickoffs is that the girl he likes finds out that he's kick-ass and is like, what the hell? You're a freak and you lied to me. Get out of my house. Which yeah. I think is probably the appropriate reaction. But in the movie, he gets the girl. She's like, oh my God, kick-ass. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I that's will pretty backwards. I will say I liked the change they did to Nicolas Cage's character as opposed to the comic where the, the reveal is that he was just a sad yeah. comic book nerd. Yeah. I like Nicolas Cage's portrayal better in the yeah, film. Yeah, I definitely I, agree with that, yeah. Yeah, but I actually, uh, to go back to like the dated stuff, I actually appreciate you bringing it up because I meant to, I wanted to make sure that I pointed out to people who are reading this, if you haven't read it before listening to this, there is a trigger warning, I would say, where there is actually self-harm in this book. They yeah. write into that uh, Laura um, as kind of a, I guess written as like a punishment to the the assassinations that she sent on by the facility, that she cuts herself. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, it's it, it's even confusing when they do it because that you would think that it would just heal immediately super fast and not show. But I think it's them trying. It was just them trying to you know give to this mute character give um some sort of recognition expression. that yeah expressing that she actually feels this and doesn't like it and to the um, extent that she feels it too. Like that's that's a it's a lot of feel. I think it. I mean it's probably trigger warnings across the board. This is a very dark comic in a way that I think I I generally really enjoy personally, but. Obviously, that's not for everybody. It is It is everything that can go wrong with her does go wrong. And I yeah. like that as an origin for a character with this context regardless, right? She always had to be a lab rat weapon. 
Um, and knowing what you're telling me today of like it ending up being pretty wholesome for her and she has a family, like I like the dark, but it's definitely not for everyone. And, and that's also okay. But like there's yeah. torture, there's creepy pregnancy stuff, basically forced pregnancy. Um, there's a lot of manipulation. Like it's, it's a lot across the board. Well, it was, it was a pretty, uh, 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 gory too. Like, um, I forgot, like, I, you know, when they got to the point where they finally sent her on her first mission mm-hmm. and which I, 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 I think, um, you know, I, I was like, once they showed her on missions, like, oh, it makes sense why it would actually be advantageous for this small girl to be this weapon because she can get into situations that people wouldn't let a large, you know, imposing man mm-hmm. into, um, and but like that first you know when she kills that politician and his entire family as a test like it's a gory scene oh yeah she messes some people up um it's not pretty and so huh it's not pretty it's not pretty um but it's drawn pretty it's it's pretty gore um yeah i agree and yeah but uh uh yeah it's a very I, I, I'm I'm in the same party as you, Alana, where I like um, some of these darker stories. Um, I like when, you know, things, you know, are dark before the dawn. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the fact that it does end up, it would be a much sadder story if she, like, she never found Wolverine or if she found Wolverine, he rejected her or something like that. But um, the fact that she finds her own family and they, they really developed her into someone who has like, a sense of humor and has her own, you know, voice to bring to, to, you know, arguments and conversations. I mean, that's, she even that's moves- cool. Cause like, I think even the last time that, sorry to cut you off. I think the last no, time go. that I read something that had X 23 in it probably was civil war, or it would have been in one of the animations. I actually don't remember which. And she was meeting a bunch of other X-Men and was just very stoic and awkward and weird and didn't know how to talk to people, which is not yeah. that different to how I was as a kid, to be honest. So that's probably part of why I liked it. <laughs> Um, but she, she, it's me. Yeah. A little bit. She was just really, even they were like, she's a bit weird. Like she was very still kind of standoffish and standoffish and just uncomfortable and very socially awkward. Um, so I, I wouldn't have guessed that she ends up like having a sense of humor and she definitely had a softer side, but it's almost an infantile kind of softer side. Yeah. Um, it's cool that that develops. It's the joy of, um, of how, like I said before, of how these characters get to get passed around to a lot of different writers. And so instead of the per- the character maybe being locked in someone's view of who they should be, they get to be handed off to someone else who has like a, a fun new take. Um, or, or just, you know, they actually have something good to add to the lore of this character. And as these, you know, she's been around since this, this series was 2005, but I think she was in NYX in like 2003 or 2004, something like that. But it's been, you know, 14, 15 years at this point of this. No, I don't know math, like 17 years. Um, and yeah, she's, she is her own, you know, character. And I, even in the most recent run where she was in the, on the X-Men team and she was Wolverine, it's, she's so fun in it. Um, she is a great hero at this point. Um, she, she, just really rounds out the team so well. And um, the, 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 the run where she meets her little clone Gabby and them having this kind of, again, a buddy cop kind of situation where Gabby's a little bit more of the comic relief. Cause she's a younger girl. Um, it's very cute. It's very cute. Yeah, um, that's awesome. wh- were, were there, when you read through this, was there any point where did you have any like criticisms about it that you thought they you wish they had kind of gone a different direction i'm curious the biggest standout one is definitely that um i felt like uh rice was just a 
generic villain. And I do think there was very much this period of comics in general um, where they basically just made every villain Hitler. Like they were all just somebody who wanted to wipe people out and were furiously angry. Um, And I think that they've grown a lot recently. Like the recent uh, iterations of Thanos, obviously in the movies is like, they could have just made him a world destroyer, but they made him a lot more sympathetic and relatable. And I think that's a a lot harder to write. So that was the biggest thing that I was like, you know what? I actually think the way that Xander is written is bad. It's, it's kind of boring and lazy and I get, I guess it gets the job done quick, but like, that's not impressive writing in my opinion. And I, I definitely prefer a more nuanced, um, villain for sure. But otherwise, I mean, I really enjoyed it. It's very easy to read, very easy to get through, really easy to understand. There was like one period where I was a little bit confused because I thought that the blonde woman was also Sarah for a second. I was like, wait a minute, are they kissing? <laughs> wait, no, that's a different woman. Why are they in the same room? Like, I was just like, yeah, yeah, some yeah. of that was a little bit <laughs> confusing. Um, but for the most part, I, I yeah, I really enjoyed it. My big standout criticism is just Rice's very generic, angry villain. Well, it's, it's an extra loss, I think, in my book in that um, the villain was so generic because X-Men villains can often be the best part of the books. Yeah. Um, you know, it's why characters like Magneto and Sabretooth and mm-hmm. Mr. Sinister and Apocalypse are just, they stand the test of time is, you know, they, they, they often can create these colorful and multifaceted and villains. Magneto is probably one of my um, favorite villains ever. Like, I think he's fantastic. He's, he's so fun. Oh. He's very good. Um, I'm going to be doing an episode of this at some point in the future with um, Elise Willems. And I asked her like, hey, what are what what, you know, is there a character you vibe with? She's like, I like Magneto, but I'm 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 assuming that I'm assuming that makes me basic or mid. I was like, no, 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 no. no. That means you have good. (laughs) Um, Magneto is such a fun character and he's gone through so many different iterations and changes and he's had you know i think her favorite x-men movies first class her favorite one is last stand sorry that's it you're right it's lost stand the one that everyone's like wait what and she just unashamedly loves it i'm like all right hell yeah dude go for it yep (laughs) she um she's she's admittedly someone who like she's like i think i like the things that people don't like like the worst versions of like franchises and i'm like you know what you can enjoy it you you know enjoy what you want to enjoy yeah enjoy it unashamedly and she does which is great yeah if you're enjoying it for good reasons and not for bad reasons, then who's going to argue yep. with that? Go for it. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, this has been so fun to talk about X-23. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hope that um, with this kind of launching point, this gives you a, a, a position to like go and read her other I, miniseries. I really did go, oh, I could buy the next one. <laughs> Immediately yeah. afterwards, I was like, oh, that was so easy to get through. It, it took me maybe an hour to read the whole thing and... That's including looking at nice art. And I was like, oh, it's right there. And and uh, usually, again, my whole thing of abandoning comics, I stopped playing Magic the Gathering at the exact same time, which is when I moved because uh, I just wanted to stop physically having things, but I still couldn't let my heart get rid of, like, not wanting to buy them digitally. Like, all my books I still own physically. I buy new books physically. Mm. I don't buy them digitally. And I was like, do I do I just buy it on comiXology or do I, and, and this is my first time using comiXology since I was a teenager. And I was like, Amazon owns it now. This app used yeah. to be so much better. It's like, a it's mess not good. Now. It sucks. No, it used Amazon to be really it. good. Mm-hmm. You can't buy them in the app. You have to nope. go to Amazon. It's a whole thing, but I was like, maybe I'll, it's maybe terrible. I'll just stop doing it. And I also don't love that. I'm giving Amazon even more money to be honest. Um, <laughs> well, <sighs> I, I will, 
I, I personally will be very uh, excited if alongside your shelves of what could only be described as too many Batman statues. And a lot of Batman um, comics. I still buy um, Batman uh, comics physically. Great. Yeah. Well, there's been some good Batman comics. I, I would and love that's to my thing is If I about. limit myself and I'm just buying Batman and I do, then I'm okay. <laughs> that's my well, logic. You're talking, you're talking to someone who's just, you know, his house is covered in X-Men stuff. So yeah. I'm there with you. <laughs> um, you find your niche and you run with yeah. it. Even I, I, I'm, I'm with you where I've, I, I've read a lot of other comics as well, but you know, the one that I've zeroed in on is X-Men. You've got to, um, you've got to restrict yourself where you can. Otherwise it, I think it can actually become overwhelming and you, you can get like media consumption burnout. Yeah. Like, well, X Men's not even a good one to limit yourself on because they often lot. have like eight or nine titles going on at the same time. Yeah, pick the ones you like, I guess, the ones you resonate with. But yeah, thank you for, uh, for I did prompting that. me to do this, John. I had a really fun time reading it and thinking about it. And like again, my only real criticism is is Rice, and I guess that I felt like the the serial killer plot point progression was probably not super necessary. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it was it was a great read, very dark, which has always been my favorite. Um, and again, even nicer to talk to you and, and hear how she's grown. I'm happy to hear it. Well, I if if you do end up reading the the next ones, mm-hmm. um, and you get introduced to that that other female handler, I'd be curious to hear if you think that she was a better uh uh you know more anti you know mm. yeah more interesting character to be against Laura. Mm. Um, but um, is there um you know I I, I know that um you do a lot of work all kinds of places. Is there a, a place I could send people if if they enjoyed this episode to check you out? Is it is it is it Twitch? Is it by God of War? What is it? <laughs> um, I think the thing that probably makes the most sense to recommend based off the back of this, because we're talking about writing, is I do a monthly podcast on my YouTube channel called Video Game Writing 101. I just recently recently had Josh Sawyer, who is the director of Fallout New Vegas, but also wrote Pentiment. But I've had like Tim Schafer, who's the creator of Psychonauts. And I've had... Um, uh, Cliff Blazinski, the creator of Years of War, and it's just a bunch of people who work in video games who've made a bunch of cool stuff talking about writing. So if this is something you found interesting, then um, I direct you to that. It's a pretty niche podcast. It was never going to uh, get a ton of views because it's such a uh, in-depth and uh, educational topic. But it's a really, really fun one to do to just talk to absolute pros about their careers and uh, and writing in general. So check that out well, if you want. I'm... It's called Video Game Writing 101. I'm not a fan of like niche podcasts, you know, I like uh, really broad. You went uh, straight for serial killers, just straight for the true crime. That's it. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, let's, let's, I'll, we're on my podcast Uh about X-Men comics that no one's (laughs) reading. Um, but it's been fun to talk with you about X-Men. I hope I can find time in your schedule sometime in the future to talk about some more. Maybe we could find another character you want to get into. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, and have some fun. And just in general, this was a real, real joy to get to have a conversation with you about this. Thanks stuff. for having me, John. We haven't, we haven't spoken in ages, so it's nice to hang out for an hour. That's also the reason why I made this show. I was like, what? How do I just schedule my friends to have an hour conversation with <laughs> manipulative, but very, uh, very efficient. Yeah, and force them to talk about the one thing I want yeah, to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you don't even publish um, this show. Yeah, yeah. This is just, this is just for my archives. No one's actually listening to this. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate your time, Anytime. Alana. And uh, thank you so much, everyone listening. And I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and listen to the next one. I'll catch you guys later. Bye, everyone.